Under Center podcast. Hello and welcome to the Under Center podcast. The Los Angeles Rams are Super Bowl 56 champions. They beat the Cincinnati Bengals 23 points to 20 on Sunday night to claim their second Super Bowl in franchise history. I'm your host, Daramar, and joining me to look back at the game on Sunday and to break it down and to see where both teams will go from here is Phil Malloy and Jake Woolhead. Lads, how are we this evening? Yeah, doing well. Still reeling from that match that we uh, we had talked about last week and just about to review. So uh, looking forward to it. Doing well, though. Yeah, I finally recovered from that late night. Uh, I didn't I didn't even go mad or anything. Just had to get just up a, a few Doritos and snacks, was it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I just I got up a little bit earlier than maybe I wanted to on Tuesday morning or on Monday morning. So uh, that that's knocked me back. But I'm back on schedule now and we're back in this live show game as well, which is exciting. Exactly. Um, we had to do it live and, and talk about, of course, what happened over the weekend. We we probably won't go in-depth as much as you pro- we probably would normally, because it is a couple of days removed. I don't think people need play-by-play analysis of what happened. We'll look at the wider picture of it, and we will obviously look at certain things that happened in the game itself. But overall, guys, you enjoyed the, the spectacle uh, in LA this Sunday? Do you know what? I did, actually. I really enjoyed it. Uh, I thought the game had a lot of the components that you want out of a good Super Bowl. There was back and forth. There was last-minute score changes, stuff like that. And the halftime show, I loved it. It was better than any other one I thought. I don't really enjoy them most of the time, but uh, I really enjoyed this one. Yeah. Now, that new Super Stadium is so slick, isn't it? And Whenever you can get it in those new stadiums, I mean... The NFL obviously is making a concerted effort the last few years to make sure that the rotation has gone through the newest stadiums they have available to them. And anytime you can get it in there, they're so sophisticated now. They've got all this new modern technology and they just look so clean, so modern. And it really helps, I think, viewing the game, even if you're not at the, at the stadium, being able to see the nice stadium and just have the graphics a little nicer, the grass is a little cleaner, everything is nice and, and pre-organized and everyone has their specific spots. So... Yeah, I really enjoyed watching the game. That's the only one questionable thing I had was, what was The Rock doing? There was absolutely no need. I know he was doing the intros, but why The Rock? He didn't even do his famous, like, can you smell what The Rock is cooking? Just, just lads, a guy. Just a guy. He tried to. He tried to. He did the whole, finally, you know, the Super Bowl is back, where he would be like, obviously, like, finally, The Rock is back. But do you not remember, like, two, was it two years ago? Was the Kansas City and 49ers Super Bowl in, in Miami? He did the player introductions in a pre-recorded video. Now, that was class. But I agree with you, feeling on this one. This just felt like it was, let's force a big star into this for an announcement and let's just try and make a kill but you could see even the players on the pitch were looking around saying can we start this thing one of the lads it was just a bit clunky like wasn't it it was like the game was ready to go and they stopped it like i i appreciate you want he gave the little kind of rah-rah line for each of the two teams and i appreciate that but i don't think like in general if you guys have been at the games i know we have and, and if people have been at games they do do that kind of little team intro especially the home team normally uh, in a regular season game, but they just play it on a Videotron. No one really pays that much attention to it. And again, like the problem was Rock was there on the 50-yard line. No one was really listening. He wasn't getting that much of a pop from the crowd. Like the, like you said, the, the players were kind of already ready to go. It just delayed everything by about two minutes. And what was the story with his high-waist trousers? They were almost up to his nipples. They were so high. <laughs> what can we say? Can we say this? The Rock skips leg day. Oh, for sure. No, he that man could like leg squish leg. your head in his leg. Yeah. Come on, yeah. let's be real. One of that one of the lads was telling me, uh, wouldn't it be funny if he if he was the one to buy over the Broncos because <laughs> like that would be ballers come to life. I did find it funny though, like he was the one that bought the XFL, and he's. I thought the- I thought that's why he was doing like a little. I thought that's why he was announcing something to do with the XFL, and that's why he was there. But obviously, no, nope. just nope. loves the Super Bowl. No, just like oh, I, he loves the money he's getting from the NFL. He's going to put that straight into the XFL. Oh, what you know what? The, XFL, the XFL never even dawned on me. You know, that's probably yeah. now it makes a little bit more sense as to in Hollywood, why of all the people they chose to rock that. OK, now now I get a little bit more. Still, I have to say, I don't think he was completely necessary. And he did the best he could, but no one was really interested. No one was there to see him. 
I think it was just a ten. It was just for the viewers. I think that's all it was. There was nothing to do with anyone in the stadium couldn't give a fuck that he was on. It was just because the cameras were directly on him, and that's all that really mattered for us. But mm-hmm. still, that's a waste true. of time. That's true. But let's look at the game itself. And like I mentioned at the start, the Rams winning twenty three to twenty. Uh, Jake, I'll start with you on this one. Um, the Rams were the winners. Yeah, I mean, I kind of thought they would win. I had hoped that the Bengals would win, and for a while, it looked like they might have held it off, but um, I don't know what some of them calls were. were a bit confusing to me that they didn't um, seem like they got too ahead of themselves. There was a lot of open players that Joe Burrow missed and stuff like this towards the end. Um, There was that fourth and one or something like that that kind of went nowhere. It was just all these kind of confusing calls for me that didn't... um, pan out and then of course Aaron Donald showing up at the end that was I mean something that we all expected to happen throughout the game given that weak offensive line but um yeah he came up big at the end and kind of gave the Rams the the Super Bowl really at the end yeah I thought both teams were in it uh I I wouldn't have complained it's not like the Bengals played so badly that if they'd have won it it said they'd robbed it I was a little bit confused by the Rams game plan I don't know if it was deliberately to wait until like midway through the third quarter so that the adjustments were would be a little bit more difficult to make but in terms of like bringing that fifth man taking that double team off Donald they waited so long to do that I think the game could have been over with if they'd have pushed that in the first half I guess maybe they were nervous Dara you've you've said on many occasions that they haven't got that closeout game in the second half very well at all towards the end of the season and through the playoffs as well. So maybe that's what they were thinking. But And as well, forcing the ball to Cooper Cup, I thought maybe they could have gone there a little bit earlier. I mean, it's nitpicking. They won the game. I'm not complaining. I think they were they were competitive as well. It wasn't the most exciting Super Bowl we've ever watched. It wasn't the worst Super Bowl by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, but yeah, that was my big takeaway. I just wondered why it took them so long to get there. And perhaps maybe that was a game plan the whole time just to kind of slow down any response that the Bengals could have had to it. I think with forcing the ball to Cooper Cup, a lot of it happened right after, obviously, Odell goes down mm-hmm. because now you have to kind of go to Cooper Cup because Odell seemed to, I mean, what did he have? Was it two catches for 50 yards or something like that? Mm-hmm. It was like He looked like he could have been on a good kind of run there, like a good, he would have gotten, I'd say, a touchdown or something like that. We all had a... The bet on for him to throw a pass, throw a touchdown pass, which we were all kind of shocked that he didn't. But yeah, I, I don't, don't know. Think I did. I don't think I did. No, I didn't either, Jake. It was just you. You suck. No, I, oh, sorry. I mean, all the lads <laughs> in my house. <laughs> it was good odds. How could I not do it? And yeah, he could have yeah. done it. He could have done it. Well, well, there that's... was a, there was a touchdown pass thrown by a non QB, but you just got the the wrong player there. Yeah. There was great yeah. odds on that. And Cooper yeah. Cup actually tried one, but he just he's better at catching balls than throwing them, obviously. Yes, yes. <laughs> Speaking of OBJ, I I have a sneaking suspicion this might be the last time we see him on an NFL pitch. He's obviously now won the Super Bowl, had a great career with the Giants, rough time with Cleveland, and now finally got onto the Rams and won his Super Bowl ring. I think this might be it. Second ACL tear, same knee, 16 months apart. They're talking the recovery is so long that he might not even be ready to go by the start of next season. So don't be don't be super surprised if we never see OBJ back on a on an American football pitch. And he's also a free agent. So yeah, are yeah, the Rams no gonna say you helped us get get us the Super Bowl? Here's like a little contract to keep you on the team, you can recover with us. Or are they just gonna drop him? And, it'll be, it'll and depend, kid obviously. Coming. Kid coming, yeah. that that's a big deal off the pitch. Some of these guys that can that can be a lot, especially when you get you get that ring, kind of your focus might shift to other places. And with that baby coming, that might be that might be a time for his focus to kind of shift away from the from the football. Yeah. Well, it all depends as well on, on how the recovery is going in terms of what the Rams are going to do if they will give him a new contract. Because all the talk heading into it was that he would give the Rams a hometown discount because he loved playing there so much that he wouldn't be asking for as much money if he got to stay at the Rams, so he wasn't How much the hometown discount is he willing to take? Like, they're not going to yeah. pay him big money for the ACL tear. No, well, that's the thing, and like you said, it's all about how the recovery goes in the off-season, because 
if it is like Fiona's saying, if it's going to take a long time, it's going to go into the season. I don't see the Rams doing it. They're going to sit back and just see how it goes before they even think about making the move. It may also affect what they do in the in the free agents market as well with the wide, crop of wide receivers that are coming out now in the free agent side of things. Maybe they, maybe instead they were happy to not look at those wide receivers. Maybe they are going to have a look at these wide receivers now. The likes of Alan Robinson, Chris Godwin. Now, maybe not those tiers, maybe the next one's down. Because I think those are going to uh, ask for a lot of money. And I don't know maybe if the Rams will have that available. And um, We'll see. Um, What's but, Woods's contract? Woods? Woods has yeah, an Eastern contract. Like just... a, a middle-of-the-road contract. But how many years have they got? I think they have another signed two, a three four years. Four year. Yeah. Don't know when he signed that. Hold on. Keep going and I'll, I'll fill you in. <laughs> it's okay. Just there was one thing that I did want to talk about with OBJ before we mentioned the injury was if it wasn't for the injury, I don't think this game would have been as close as it ended up being because OBJ was roasting that defense. Mm-hmm. And they were happy to sell out and stop the run, which they did very well, the Bengals. And they were happy to try and stop Cooper Cup getting the ball. But I think they were kind of thinking that OBJ wouldn't have as much of an influence. Maybe. I don't know. Or just, they just couldn't cover him. But he was roasting that um, defense. And I think that if he was able to stay in the game, he would have actually, I think, topped well over 100 yards. And he, we could we could be talking today about him being the MVP of the Super Bowl instead of Cooper Cup. Or Drake um, with his one point two five million, he would have he would have bet on uh, on OBJ. He would have come up big, I think. Yeah, exactly. Uh, one thing I do want to acknowledge, and, and Fionn, you kind of had a little talk about it at the start as well, is the adjustment made by the Rams defense and Raheem Morris there, um, towards the end of the second half, but well, for most of the second half, and. Obviously, being a, a trenches guy myself, I kept a close eye on this. But you saw the frustration that Donald had in the first half because you could see the center, Trey Hopkins, for the Bengals. Anytime Donald was there, he was helping his guard, whichever side it was on, to double-team Aaron Donald. Um, but in the second half, they moved the line... Um, uh, they moved the line a lot, and it involved a lot of stunts with Von Miller. And then it also, um, they went heavy on one side of the line. It looked like a heavy blitz on the left or the right side, where it's pretty much like man-on-man on one side of the line, um, which confused the Bengals' um, line a lot, which meant that they couldn't, they didn't adjust to that. It means it took that double team uh, out of it, um, and that's when you saw Aaron Donald become more influential in the game, which made him dominate. And obviously it, it led to that final play, you know, getting the... Uh, the the uh, the hit on Joe Burrow because it's not it's technically not down as a sack it was an incomplete pass wasn't yeah. it on the fourth and one at the end so the hit on Joe Burrow to to effectively win the game for for the Rams in that and I'm still a little peed off because I had Aaron Donald as my MVP and I <laughs> I put a bet on for Aaron Donald's MVP so maybe if he got a couple of more sacks it could have it could have happened but I want to ask as well where do you think or what did you think actually of the officiating in this game? Um, I thought it was quite, um, it was actually a quite fairly officiated game. Obviously that T Higgins touchdown was a clear face mask. I think everyone can agree with that. It was a clear mm-hmm. face mask and um, that should not have been allowed. There was multiple false starts that weren't called. <sighs> but again, I go back to this. The officials never call most of the false starts in the league anyway, so I don't expect it to change in the Super Bowl. Um, there was a few, and few you pointed one out as well early in the game on Sunday as well, about a few few times Aaron Donald was offside. It's on the line as well that mm-hmm. was never called. Although, I, sorry, the only one thing I'll say about that, Fionn, though, is that the line you see on the telly isn't the official line, so mm-hmm. it yeah. might be a bit different. It looked, it's not it, like... it looked to me, I mean, and the camera angle can be a little bit funny to see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Certainly looked to me at least twice. Forget about the line out, his head looked nearly in line with the football. So, yeah, uh... yeah no, I, I do see it sometimes as well. And you have to say, like, I mean, that's nothing you can change about it now. Like, I mean, yeah. the, the line is line, but that's not what the refs are seeing or are unwilling to see, rather. We didn't see a lot, like I'm, and we go into it. I didn't see a lot of flags throughout the whole game, apart obviously towards the end when there was a, a multitude of them. The holding Colin Cooper Cup, 
Yeah, it was a holding call. You have your hands around the waist, you're asking for the ref. Would you see the throw this, flag? I don't this think that was a holding call. I don't His either. hand and was around is... the waist and you could see a grabbing motion. It I was think it there. was just a line, Every... linebacker on a wide receiver. They say, if he's slowed down or if something's happening, it's obviously the linebacker doing something rather than the wide receiver. Yeah. And I, I think as well, I have a little bit of sympathy because the Rams and Ramsey, okay, a clear face mask, as we mentioned, but he also had a very clear pullback of Boyd for what would have been a catch for a touchdown. And I think the only reason the refs didn't throw that flag versus the flag on Wilson, I believe it was, uh, is because Wilson was a kind of a one-on-one situation and the Rams did have a safety coming over. But I really believe Boyd could have caught that and was already past the line. So it would have been a touchdown if he could hold on at all. So, look, it went both ways. And I think they did. They refed it as fairly as they could. I do feel aggrieved for the Bengals that they got those calls, those kind of little tug calls right at the end. But I mean, you kind of have to call those, right? You can let it go. But if it was going the other way for the Rams, I believe they would have thrown those flags as well. I don't think it was because it was the Bengals. It's just once it gets inside that two minutes, it's for the game. They kind of tighten yeah. everything up and they kind of say, right, guys, now we got it. we've been letting you play. Now we've got to get you and kind of... Like- Play yeah, part of this play, let them play kind of stuff. But when you get to the end and your team is desperately trying to defend, you're obviously going to get a bit sloppier and are going to get yeah. a bit more yeah. aggressive. And that's when you it leads to these things happening. But Eli Apple, did you see on... I didn't catch what he did. He clearly said or did something during the playoffs or the end of the oh, season. Yeah, he, he, he got absolutely destroyed by almost every wide receiver and some of his ex-teammates as well what did he do that warranted that kind of he tweeted out something saying i was it was someone was tweeting at him and he was getting back to them saying like don't tweet me out like that i can't remember what he said but it was something stupid and it was basically saying like the wide receivers aren't as good as me but i mean clearly throughout that whole game anytime (laughs) cooper cup was on him he hadn't got a chance he got destroyed um but yeah let's move on from the officials then and that's um i want to ask what you think this does now for teams going forward. And let's start with the Bengals. Um, How do you think this is going to affect now the Bengals moving forward? Do you think that this was their chance? Like this, like no one expects them to make the Super Bowl. Maybe they didn't. They made it. Do you think this was their one chance to win it? Um, To finally win it? Because now they're 0-3 in Super Bowls. Or do you think this is the beginning of something up there now in Cincinnati? I think... um... I don't know if I, beginning is certainly a, a right word, but I do think there's a, a, a step back coming for them next year. I don't think Super Bowl is the right, like they did have a lot of good luck, I would say, this year that kind of pushed them towards and Joe Burrow making a, a huge step forward. But I think something's going to give and I don't think that they are Super Bowl bound next year. I agree with Jake. I think they got a certain couple of breaks this season. It was a really nice run. But I, I do believe if you're a Bengals fan, you're licking your lips and you're saying, finally, because really, let's be honest, it's a really young team. They can, they've can they added a lot of free agents over the last two seasons. We saw that in the breakdown before the Super Bowl. They broke down all the free agents that they have. They were really nice defense, not, not top five maybe in the league, but we saw good enough to hang around and hang on against the Rams right till the end. And I think if you're looking at your team and the only major problem issue you have is an offensive line and a lot of young guys, a, a legitimate tri- triple threat at wide receiver, I think I think there's – I agree with Jake. I think maybe maybe Super Bowl again next season is a bit of an ask, but I think they can be in the Super Bowl again in five seasons. Yeah, Certainly like five seasons they should be cont- – Playoff contenders. Every year, with a real shot at the Super Bowl. Like, I mean, they have a lot of like the Joe Burrow, young Jamar Chase, young Tyler Boyd, a, um, a thousand yard receiver. They've got their left tackle. Uh, I think it was only drafted in 2018 or 19, so he's also a young guy. So they need to obviously put some protection around Joe Burrow. Or I seen a tweet and it was uh, get him a master class with Eli Manning for uh, how to deal with a bad offensive line. Um, that is something that they'll need to look at and address. But I don't know what else they hit. They obviously need some maybe. Obviously, you have to go offensive line early, and then also then you have to focus on your defense for some of them free agent cornerbacks that they have to probably replace. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I say a second, uh, another a top wide uh, top cornerback, top wide receiver, <laughs> uh, top cornerback. I definitely splash a bit of money on if there's one going in the free agency. 
Uh, and maybe in the draft, in the kind of second, third round, you look at getting a running back just to come up behind Joe Mixon. If he can get a different brand of running back, maybe a big heavy hitter just to go alongside and kind of soften up defenses a little bit. But yeah, I, I, I really do think they're not a bad team. There's not that many gaps that need filling on that team. They obviously need to, I think they need to get run blocking O-Lyman because we know Joe Mixon's talented. So I think they need to figure a way of getting him <laughs> more space. I don't know. He seems to be tackled quite a bit. That, it's one of them run games that really irritates me watching because they always run through the same gaps and they always get hit right at the line of scrimmage. So yeah. it just annoys me. They need to figure something out with that. It reminded me a lot of the Washington run game where it's like, 50-50, he could break it for 6-10 yards or he gets hit right at the line of scrimmage. There doesn't seem to be any consistency to it. And it seems to be maybe, I don't know, maybe it is down to O-line play and just consistently be able to seal those blocks to get kind of three yards at least instead of those negative plays. Or at least be more creative in the run game. I don't know what the issue is, but they certainly need to do something with it. Yeah, no, I agree. And and look, there there is a, certainly an opportunity for them, maybe not to be like you guys mentioned, a regular Super Bowl appearing team, but definitely a regular playoff appearing team. Because especially if you look at the NFC North, those other team or AFC North, I should say, sorry, not NFC North, uh, have their issues. You look at the Browns, question marks over the quarterback, question marks over the whole team, actually. And, you know, um, after a really poor year, we'll have to see what they do in the offseason. The Ravens, you know, they're currently going through contract negotiations with Lamar Jackson. They have their shortcomings as well. Um, you look at the and the, the Bengals seem to have their number there as well. I think they match up terribly, and um, the Ravens do against the Bengals. The Bengals that do like that matchup. And then you look at the Steelers, who we don't even know what's going to happen to the Steelers now mm-hmm. over these next few years with their quarterback issues. They may be starting Dwayne Haskins next year as their, <laughs> as their QB one, you know, that's, that's how bad things are getting in, in Pittsburgh. They could be in the mire for the next couple of years for sure. So there's definitely an opportunity to capitalize on things in the AFC North and to, to rule that division for the next, like you mentioned, four or five years to definitely be in the playoffs. And then when you're in the playoffs, you know, it's one game at a time. You win that game, you're next true to the next round. All you have to do is sort of just keep winning, and we'll see. Uh, we'll see what happens there with them. Like you, like you guys are mentioning, I agree with you in terms of positions that they need to sort of improve on. Offensive line's a big thing. If they can put serious money into that offensive line, I think that would really help them. Um, we'll have to see what they do there. Cornerback. Yeah, they kind of they kind of look like they need something there. Um, defensive line is is quite strong. Logan Wilson looks like he's going to be a star at middle mm-hmm. linebacker now. Um, had a fantastic game, and he looks like he he might possibly end up being the leader of that defense going forward. So we'll see there too. Um, so we'll see what goes on. There's definitely the bones of like you guys said, a really good team going forward, or a contending team going forward. So we'll see what happens there with that. Let's have a look at the Rams. What we think this is, this is what has this is what they've led up to. This is all of their moves, why they've made all these moves for this Super Bowl. You look back at say the Jalen Ramsey trade, the Matt Stafford trade, uh, getting the likes of Von Miller and OBJ in free agency and getting these guys in to make this team a Super Bowl winning team. They've won the Super Bowl now. Now's the time to try and you know cement yourself as that team if you want to. You don't want to throw this word around easy, easy peasy, but you know, dynasty. You know, I'm thinking that's what they want. They want that thing to happen too. But look, we've seen teams that have we've thought that are going to become dynasties, like the Seahawks, like even the Chiefs, closer to the time as well. You know, you win that one Super Bowl, you put all your effort into it, and then you struggle to sort of recreate that sort of feeling around the building to try and get that urge to to go and win more because. It's a natural thing once you've reached a mountain and you feel like you don't have to climb anymore. It's harder to, to you know, motivate yourself to uh, climb it again. So I don't know. What do you guys think about the, the Rams now going forward? I don't know. I mean, I, I feel like they're just in that all-in mode and they just kind of have to keep rolling with that until it all falls asunder. Like, they've obviously lost Odell in free agency at this, like, at the minute anyway. We don't know where they're going to go with it, but... To, to re-sign him and then the other contracts are probably going to come up big Leonard Floyd 
Von Miller, Aaron Donald, Matt Stafford has to be paid, Jalen Ramsey, all these big name guys. That can you afford to keep all of them? More than likely, probably not. So we'll have to see if they can figure some way of staying all in, but also staying under the cap, I guess. Yeah, I think the, I think the Rams' big problem is that their young guys, in an opposite direction to the Bengals, their young guys are struggling. We saw uh, Reader, the middle linebacker, struggle quite badly, and, and I don't think he even played in the Super Bowl, or at least I don't remember his name coming up in the Super Bowl. So he, is, he played well at the start of the season, but struggled then coming into the playoffs. So those younger talented core coming up that are going to stick around for four or five years that's going to be a big problem i do think i'm going to i'm working on the impression that aaron donald's going to retire i reckon obj probably won't be brought back uh i think ramsey between like you said jake ramsey Lloyd, like there's so many big contracts that need to be filled uh and miller again contract. oh he has one okay. ramsey well, has his contract here so ramsey's probably upset but you know what I mean? Like Jake said, there is a lot of big contracts to come. Safety, they were playing with Eric Weddle. He's certainly not coming back at this point. So no. that's a problem that needs to be addressed. Now, actually, the only... sorry, can while you mention, can we give a shout out to Eric Weddle? Torres Peck in the first quarter and continue playing on for the rest of the game. My Much best friend. To him for that. that was all that was all <laughs> Jake's motivation. Talking about what you're gonna do when you win the Super Bowl. He just yeah. kept saying, I gotta do it. I gotta see what Jake was talking about. I gotta go and see this party. But uh I must yeah, get out I mean, to him. <laughs> I mean, do you know what I mean? So, so there is some leaks there, right? It's not, it's not 100% built. The only advantage that they have, or maybe it's a disadvantage as well. Actually, I think it's more a disadvantage is you've got, with the exception of the Legion of Boom up there in Seattle, you've got, <laughs> you've got the 49ers who have been playoff team the last couple of years, and you also have the, uh, oh, who's the other team? The Cardinals? Cardinals. Is that the yeah. other team in that division? Yeah. Who kind of went off the boil lot of weird stuff going on with that with my best mate uh Kyler Murray up there at the moment and is he okay yeah like uh, I don't know he turned off his comments which is a classic <laughs> sign of uh he's not, not okay he's not yeah, okay. yeah 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 so I tried to I tried to get him just on the DMs you know go straight to the DMs but uh yeah he has those turned off as well so he wasn't looking for my help but yeah I saw I saw a little rumor that like he he is not looked well upon by the other players on the Cardinals. Yeah. Big issues with commitment and like leadership when things are going bad, trying to not really oh, that committed, not really wanting to go in the game. So that's gonna be something to watch out on. Now, of course, I don't know, is his contract coming up? He, it is, isn't it? He, he's looking for kind of a renewal. So it yeah, could be, I heard he wants something like 55 million. Yeah, it could money. be a lot of the team yeah. just kind of leaking some bashing information i'm not sure how true it is maybe it's just a bit of a downgrading of stock to be like hey hey hey, you don't have as many bargaining chips as you thought we can we can leak some bad stuff about you and make some bad stuff up to kind of bring that price down a little bit yeah. but we'll see well, how we'll, we'll get into it there a little bit because in in a little while um because i have the tweets up there from chris mortensen and, and we'll go through them um, but can I, I want to ask quickly then, because you mentioned that, Fionn, that you think Aaron Donald's going to retire. Yeah. That was one of the storylines heading into to Sunday was if the Rams won, Donald could retire. We'll see what happens at the age of 30 to be one of the best players in the game. It would seem like a shock for him to, to retire mm-hmm. now. But hey, look, go out on top. That's, that's the best way to do it. But also, there's rumors going around that. Sean McVay may be taking time and stepping away from head coaching um, uh, after this game. Um, again, he, he didn't answer the question when asked uh, in the after-game press conference. Like He's not exactly going to announce it there anyway. But it'll be interesting. I myself personally think he's not going anywhere. He's looking for a new contract. I think he's just playing a little bit of like negotiation via the media with the team. So we'll see what happens there. Aaron Donald... Look, I'd hate to see him retire as a fan in the game. I would love to see him retire <laughs> as a fan of the Seahawks because I hate the because it puts terror in my eyes ever ever every time I see him play against that um, offensive line up there in Seattle. So, but uh, Jake, I'll start with you on this one. What do you think about Donald and McVeigh? Do you think that um, the Rams could be losing two vital pieces to their team? No, I feel like they're losing none of them to be honest because. I think Sean McVay came out and said that he's fully committed to, to football next year. So at least next year, it seems like he is interested in coming back. So 
Uh, I wouldn't be too worried as a fan of the Rams to see if McVeigh is going to leave or stay. I reckon he's going to stay. I mean, why not? He's, what, 36 years old or something like that. Got one ring under his belt and a strong team. It's not really the time to go out. It's probably better time. Like, Sean Payton picked the right time to go out. Like, you don't have a team anymore, so you may as well just leave on a low. But Sean McVeigh is going to ride into the sunset next year. He's going to come back, play again, hopefully win another Super Bowl for him, and then maybe he thinks then after that. But no, I don't think he's going. Aaron Donald, I, I think the same as well, though. He's He seems like the type of player that is just like, I want a Super Bowl. I want two more rings on my finger. I want to build a legacy or whatever. So I can't see him going. Does Is he under contract next year? I presume he is. Yeah, he has one like the biggest contracts in. Well, he has the biggest contract for a defensive lineman yeah. anyway. So he's not going anywhere, at least until they have to, have to uh, redo his contract. So I can't see anything else happening about that. He's he's three years into a six year, one hundred and thirty five million dollar contract. So he's not going anywhere. <laughs> he's yeah, not going anywhere. You know, no, but that's what I mean. He's, no, he's not going to retire. I don't think. I think he feels like again with the strong team around him. Why would you leave at this point? Why would you not wait until you feel like the team is going to go downhill and then you can start thinking about retirement? True. True. Um, one more point. There seems to be a strange talking point now after uh, Sunday's game. Um, is Matt Stafford and if he's Hall of Fame worthy? Uh, because uh, Richard Sherman came out and, and has said that uh, it's a little too easy now to get into the Hall of Fame. And, you know, we talked about this before and I, I myself am personally in agreement with Richard Sherman and the fact that I don't know why this Matt Stafford Hall of Fame talk has started. Um, <laughs> it's like, okay, you've won a ring. Congratulations. Um, you, are you saying that, you know, who's the, I don't know. Is there any, where's the last one that won it? Um, that The last quarterback that won it off um, a bad team. Why are you trying to think of a couple of years ago? Eli Manning. No. He hasn't made it into the Hall of Fame. And Nick yeah, Foles. Two, two Nick Foles. That's the one. Is Nick Foles won a, won a ring with the Eagles against the Patriots. Are we saying that he should be in the Hall of Fame now? He probably has a better shout. Didn't Nick Foles have... He has the NFL He has the touchdown from... record for a season. He did. He carried it. He actually... He was an all-pro. He's actually... He actually is more worthy of a Hall of Fame. I agree. I agree. Uh, I, I test alone... Stafford is a scrub. Like he will need. He is one of those guys who needs to win like three, four more Super Bowls to get into the Hall of Fame. Because let me ask you a question. Let me ask a question. If the Bengals had a march down the field at the end of that match and won, are we going to still be talking about yeah, Matt Stafford no, Hall of Fame? No Not a hope. No. He didn't win MVP. He didn't look like he won MVP. He made some nice throws. But my God, you're an NFL quarterback in the Super Bowl final. You're expected to make a couple of nice throws in a game. The last one, little look away, whatever. That was kind of nice. But you know what I mean? They weren't spectacular. They weren't incredible. Yeah. Uh, and we're kind of getting used to these no-look passes now. But yeah, I did I did bring it up uh, with you guys earlier to see what you thought. And I agree. I have to say I agree a lot with Richard Sermon. It's one of these really skewed things. Like, passing yards have gone through the roof these days. And I am a big, big proponent of being against it purely for the fact that how many seasons in a row have we seen Derek Carr in the top five passing yards on a season? Like, yeah. he's, he's, I, I have to say, I, I appreciated all of our guests on the pre Super Bowl thing, but I need to pick up Steve on something. There is no way <laughs> that Derek Carr is a top five quarterback, never mind a top 10 quarterback in the NFL. I'm sorry, Steve, but there's just no way that that's true. There's so many guys we could name ahead of them on that list. I mean, come on. So, yeah, I think I test, there has to be more in the NFL than just winning the Super Bowl. Uh, but I think we're having this conversation right because it's season 13. It's getting up there. He does have all the past records at the Lions. Not that that means much. And he never made, he made one Pro Bowl as an alternate, never made an All-Pro, never won an MVP, never won kind of any award he but, is top 20 in a lot of these passing stat categories but i mean top 20 when most of the top 20 is like newer guys coming up kind of tom brady and later so like how does that stack up i'm not i'm not so sure but the, the pro bowl stuff i think people mention his pro bowls in his bid for the hall of fame but like one third of the Pro Bowl, like one third of the votes for Pro Bowl are audience, are like yeah. fans voting. So it's not like 
And professionals all picking them. And how many alternates do we get this year? Like twelve alternates. So like twelve guys are credited with a with a Pro Bowl now that didn't even get voted in first time. So look, there's a lot that goes into deciding who gets in the Hall of Fame. I agree. Like for instance, what's much more of a debate is say Eli Manning, whether or not he gets not in debate. because it's he's he's right on that. Right, he's got two Super Bowls. Two Super Bowl MVPs. And two Super Bowl MVPs. Not not the greatest statistical career we've ever seen, but also by no means the worst, especially with his contemporaries he, he around. He did hold him. a lot of the, the passing yard uh, touchdown stuff yeah, for yeah. A, a while. Like, he was at the top anyway for a while. And so that's what I mean. So he's got much more of a show. And even he's not guaranteed. We expect he probably will squeak in. Maybe not first ballot, but... Certainly, at some point, I reckon he's going to get in. But do you know what I mean? If we're having that debate against a two-time Super Bowl MVP, MVP and and winner, I just think that's that's too much of a stretch for Stafford. He's going to need to turn into a quarterback that he's not in order to get into the Hall of Fame. If he wins next year, say, would you call him? No, I still second think, ballot or whatever. I still think he needs to at least win it. As either league or even Super Bowl MVP, if he can get even a Super Bowl MVP, that I think doubles the strength of his argument. But is double the strength of his argument enough to get him in? I still don't think so. But it definitely gets him closer. I think it kind of shows the point as well that in the year that the Rams won the Super Bowl, he did not make. And you talked about all the alternatives in the Pro Bowl this year. He was not considered as now. I know you can't be an alternative if you're in the actual. Super Bowl, but he wasn't one of the first selected for the Pro Bowl. He wasn't an All Pro. He wasn't considered as the MVP of his team this year. Um, the MVPs that you're looking at Aaron Donald, you're looking at like you know Cooper Cup, Cooper Cup as the main guys on the team. So I think that's uh, that's that's the point. And look, I know it's. It's kind of hard to, to to base it on. I'm, I'm not trying to base it too much on his time with the Lions because, look, listen, he can only throw to the players that the coach and the GMs bring in, whoever it was. That's all he can do. And he tried his best to. Obviously, he had that great um, that great time with... Um, um, Megatron. Name is, thank you. Name was missing from <laughs> me there for a second. He had the, the great time there with him. He never really found a receiver after that that he could have a great connection with with his time with the Lions. There was always these journeyman guys. There was like, you know, there was like they had like Golden Tate there for a good couple of years as their main wide receiver. Kenny Galladay was there for a couple of years, but that guy spends more time on IR than he does on the field. Shh, uh, don't say that about my movie. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so I don't, like you don't want to go after Stafford. Like if he wasn't on that team, and he had another quarterback. I'm sure their records would have been so much worse than they already were. Considering that he one year he went 0 and 16, or he went 1 and 15, I think. Um, so you that's know what, it it would it I mean. would have been a lot worse. But like even in this year with the Rams, yes, he he, he was that sort of missing piece because I guess if you had Jared Goff in that team, they wouldn't have won the game on Sunday. You know if they kept Jared I mean, Goff, that, that almost that team made it to the Super Bowl with Goff. At the helm, not that long ago yeah. as well. So it's, year before. it's not like Goff yeah. couldn't fit in and and get them to the Super Bowl. So I mean, would he ever have won it? No, and Stafford did win it, so that makes him marginally better than Goff. <laughs> but it's, it's like you said that I think I think it has to be somewhat subjective as well because, like you said, if you're on a crap team, you can still be a legend of the game. And let's be honest, you're never gonna win an MVP when you're playing in the same era as Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers, who are just on better overall teams. And at the end of the day, I don't think in the NFL, the MVP is ever going to go to a bottom half team or a bottom a player on a bottom half team in the league. They just won't do it. So I, well, I wouldn't actually, necessarily sorry. solely base it on MVPs, but yeah. I don't think he stood out either, either. But now that you mentioned the MVP, like we put this on Twitter there after the NFL honors last week that when Rodgers won it but this was the most underwhelming MVP Mm -hmm. race in recent memory and Stafford was never even in the conversation and Cooper Cup is the only player that got a vote that wasn't uh, Brady or Rodgers so So I think think for that reason I mean just the eye test it has to be just the eye test and if enough people give him the eye test and don't like what they see, I don't think he can be in the Hall of Fame. Because, look, like Richard, I appreciate Richard's sermon, the honours is one thing, but 
I mean, if you're a quarterback for the Lions and you've got Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, even Drew Brees, you know, these really, really top statistics guys that are just playing on better football teams, you're never going to win the MVP anyway. But I still think he can be a legendary quarterback. I just happen to think Stafford is not one of those legendary quarterbacks. In Note, notable mention in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. You can be like a cliff note or something. Maybe like they that. can give him like a car park and spot in the Hall of Fame so he can go ah. and whenever he wants. <laughs> like a, a Matt Stafford meeting. area or something. Or like when he goes, they'll give him a little stand to stand on so he can be in the Hall of Fame as long as he physically goes there and stands in the Hall of Fame. But as soon as oh, he's he gone, be... they take it down. You know, like in Walmart, you get like a, a greeter. He can be like the greeter at Camden. <laughs> yeah, Hello, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you find him on the Times Square in New York in his full gear, taking pictures for people for for ten dollars. <laughs> but that's it. That's it, though, isn't it? When you, it does help to have those MVPs because what are you going to do on his plaque? Like one-time Super Bowl winner. That's it. Aaron Rodgers is like one-time Super Bowl winner, four-time league MVP offensive player of the year like all this crazy accolades tom brady six times seven times super bowl winner like matt stafford's is like one line one ass super bowl done yeah played uh, pretty nice on the lions yeah let's uh let's move on um i don't know guys do you have anything else to uh to mention about uh sunday's game before we move on no, um, I just mentioned that I made a lot of whiskey sours and old-fashioned, so the game was spectacular to me after a certain point. <laughs> nice. I, I think I like the Bengals coaching staff. I think they did a, a pretty good job. I think at the end, it was it was really talent that was the deficit, specifically on that O-line. I don't think yeah. they coached a bad game. I think they did a really good job with what they had. They caused the Rams a lot more problems than I think people, some people expected them to. I think there was a good contingent who thought it will be a tight game, but anyone who didn't think that thought the Rams might take it pretty handily. So they made a good game out of it. They definitely aided in the spectacle. So as much as we're talking about all the young talent they have on the pitch, I think the coaching staff as well is really exciting for the Bengals at the moment. Yeah, excellent stuff. Um, and that does sort of close the door on the uh, 2021 NFL season. We're going to have to wait seven months before we see some more NFL action. So, you know, uh, sit yourself uh, in a nice seat because you're going to be waiting a while but we'll we'll keep you entertained over the next seven months with, with some good shows so make sure you keep an eye over for that and make sure you're following us on our social channels at UndercenterPod uh, on Instagram and on Twitter so make sure you follow us on that um, you can go to our YouTube channel and subscribe uh, Undercenter Podcast so you'll get all of our shows up there too and you get the audio version of every show just search wherever you get your podcast under center podcast that's where you find us subscribe listen to them and we recently passed 1000 downloads on uh on our audio side um since our move over obviously away from the old channel and going solo so thank you to everyone that has downloaded and listened to the show over this past season we really appreciate it and hopefully you continue to listen well into the off season but i want to talk about a few new stories before we wrap up in this edition of the show guys and you mentioned it a little bit there kyler murray and his problems with the arizona cardinals because this was something we weren't expecting to see we made a joke about it in our preview show last week about how him removing all the pictures of anything Cardinals on his Instagram account. The Cardinals then countered that by removing all of their pictures, except the two that they have Kyler Murray on their Instagram accounts, thinking it's a little joke, little thing between the both of them. But then Chris Mortensen released these two tweets on Sunday morning obviously American time about Sunday evening airtime says the odd vibe between the Arizona Cardinals and Kyler Murray is indeed alarming. Murray is described as self-centered, immature and finger pointer per sources. Murray is frustrated with the franchise and was embarrassed by the playoff loss to the Rams and thinks he's been framed as the scapegoat. He goes on to say in the second tweet, where is it headed? Despite his, uh, let me just see, despite the uh, uh, animosity, uh, the Cardinals expect things to calm down, and Murray is their quarterback. Uh, select veterans hope to reach out to Murray on how to handle adversity better. Coach Cliff Kingsbury is also self-scouting where he can provide better alternatives for QB. So it's an interesting team that's going on that may continue in the offseason, but my... 
my initial thoughts, and I'll, I'll, I'll turn it back to you guys in a second, was whatever happened last week with Murray and everything like that, I'm sure he was in contact with the Cardinals, if not before, definitely after he did his uh, Instagram um, removal of all the pictures. But whatever conversation happened from that to this leak on Sunday, I'm sure Murray and his team are looking at it and saying, who is leaking this stuff? about him and saying this sort of stuff. Um, we said it could be a contract negotiation issue, but it looks like, and Fiona, I'll start with you on this one, that there's a little more at play here. No, I still believe it's the team leaking this stuff. And they're just trying to they're just trying to spin the narrative because it's it's weird, right? During the season, it it wasn't like everyone was putting it on on Kyler Murray when that unbeaten streak broke and, and they started to have those troubles. Certainly, as much as everybody else, he didn't play as well as he did at the start, but he didn't also stink up the place. It's not like he went completely cold. There was a lot of issues at wide receiver and injuries and chopping in and out. So I think I can I can easily see that there's there's probably a grain of truth on both sides of these arguments. So I think Kyler Murray is a young guy. He probably hasn't faced a lot of adversity until he got to the NFL in terms of losing football games. I'd say he's only lost a handful in his career. So I think he, certainly he probably is having trouble. What we've seen from college uh, coaches coming into the NFL is they don't always handle their personnel very well. And it takes a while to deal with guys who are uh, co-workers more than your student athletes. And I think I wouldn't be surprised if maybe in team meetings or, or on the sideline, maybe he is jabbing and poking and kind of, putting too hot a spotlight on, on the quarterback as much as they have a lot of responsibility to how well the team plays on offense. You also have to do a good job of taking that pressure off wherever you can and really holding them to a standard that's fair. And I wouldn't be surprised if there's maybe a little bit of imbalance of power going on there on top of a young quarterback who's kind of struggling with adversity, as you mentioned, and maybe needs to do a bit of self-growing as, as much as anything else. Yeah, I mean... First of all, I want to say whoever, whatever intern on the Cardinals social media team deleting all the Kyler Murray references is just the best thing that happens. It's one of them stupid little social media things that gets me through my day. But um, on the scapegoat, I mean, he is the quarterback. He is the driver of the, the, the car, as it were. And that's why you might be scapegoated. But it's not like he was playing out of his mind and the team was like dropping the ball and all this sort of stuff. He was making the same mistakes as everybody else was. So... Of course, everybody's going to point at the quarterback, and he needs to find a way to deal with that better. I mean, that's just you're in the limelight. Your team is looking up to you as a leader of your team, driving you, or getting you to say the playoffs and sort of stuff like this. So that's where all that kind of that comes from. Do you not think, though, Jake? They have to give him a bit of leniency. For for instance, the likes of Rogers and Brady, they they have that respect that they've earned over the years but you have to nurture that in your quarterback you have to help them gain that so that when the team is playing well they can go yeah no problem that's on me everyone put it on me because i have that cachet i have that respect that means i can come back for it whereas some of these young players i can see why they get very nervous yes you're the quarterback yes you get everything put on your shoulder but it's very hard to stay step up and say, yeah, you know what, put that on me, because that can sometimes bury you as a young player that doesn't have that respect built up where if it isn't maybe an issue with your play where the, the league goes, ah, yeah, but this has happened before, he's bounced back, no problems, no worries, he's been a great leader. If this is your first go through and you're not, you haven't proven, you haven't proven to the players on your team or to yourself that you are definitely going to bounce back, that's a very scary job, and I think the coaching staff needs to, give him some things to be responsible for and take everything else away and go, you know what? Everything else is on us because you need to, you need to let that young guy grow big enough to be able to support the team. He can't just throw a whole team on top of them because they will drown. Yeah. A hundred percent. I agree with that because as you said, a young guy isn't, hasn't got that experience to be able to push stuff off his back and move on with it and then grow into a kind of that leader but when everything is just piling on top of you as such, that's just going to get you down and it's just going to affect your play, your mind, kind of everything around that. So, yeah, absolutely right on that. But I would have thought 
being how close Cliff Kingsbury was to Kyler Murray at the very start, you know, they came from college, they, he picked them onto the Cardinals, all this sort of stuff. You would have thought they kind of would have already had that working relationship going, but maybe going from a team like, uh, what, where did he come from, Oklahoma, was it? Mm-hmm. Um, a winning team such like that, then going on to a Cardinals team where it's a lot harder to get wins in the NFL than it would be in a college on that powerhouse of a team. So maybe, as you said, he hasn't got that experience losing many games because you don't get to the NFL as the first overall quarter, uh, quarterback by losing a lot of games in your lifetime. Yeah, I know what you mean. Do you think, though, it was interesting? We I mentioned this a while ago as well, that the, the playbook for the Cardinals this season seemed to take out a lot of these read option plays for Murray where he would run in because that was one thing leading into the season that everyone obviously was was one of the main weapons is that his ability to to come out of pocket break and go on a run himself. And we've seen less and less of that this year. And you think is that maybe something now that after the reports have come out too, maybe is it is it Murray not wanting to do those plays now because he feels that he wants to be the pocket passer. He wants to, to throw to throw it, what, 30, 40 times a game? Or is it the other side of things? Maybe it was Cliff Kingsbury and the, the coaching staff decided, look, listen, we're not putting you at risk anymore of this because he has gotten a couple of injuries over the last few years as well that has caused him to miss time, that we're not putting you out there in harm's way so easily and we want you to try and hopefully let our offensive line protect you better. I think you kind of, like, when you have a quarterback with that mobility, like, you do have to use that weapon in a game to make sure you can kind of get the players and get going and stuff like this. But you want to be a, a passer first and a running second, a running quarterback second, because you will get your injuries, as we've seen. He had the ankle injury, and I think it was a calf injury and stuff like this, and that's going to happen to him. But So you're maybe that's what they're trying to do is minimize that kind of accidental injuries and stuff like that and let him be a passer grow into the passer and then use his legs as a not as a crutch like he can do in the past as a like an escape route when things crash in on him he can get out there but you certainly don't want to be calling a, a lot of runs for a quarterback especially he's not not the biggest lad in the world as well so uh gonna take them hits a little bit harder yeah well you know my opinion on quarterbacks and gms and stuff so <laughs> i would hope that it's a coaching decision to pull those plays i don't think as much as a quarterback should maybe have input of when and where plays get called, I don't think they should be having input in terms of what the playbook consists of and what, what the offensive philosophy should be, especially given that you're the guy with the talents, right? you got to play to your talents. It doesn't matter how you want to play. The reality is you have a physical set of traits that allow you to play a certain way that can be effective, and you have to embrace that. So. I, uh, my guess is that must be more of a coaching decision than a player decision. And also, I don't, I don't know, guys that win like like Kyler Murray and, and we've seen him in college. Nobody doubts he can throw the ball. It, it wasn't like Lamar Jackson coming out where people were suspicious about his passing acumen. Okay, they're never going to think he's a pure pocket passer, but he was fine in terms of accuracy. Uh, and and guys like that, they just want to win. And if you can do it with your legs, scoring the touchdown yourself. I don't, I don't believe he would be against that. So it must have been a coaching philosophy change that they decided, yeah, like you said, Jake, maybe they wanted to just preserve him a little bit longer. Washington fans have painful memories of how badly it can go wrong when your running quarterback spends a little bit too too long running and not enough time throwing. So, uh, yeah, I reckon it's probably, at the end of the day, a coaching decision. Yeah. And very quickly, guys, um, because we're going to wrap it up here now in a couple of minutes. But the one other story that came out and was kind of overshadowed a little bit by the the Murray thing is Carson Wentz. And supposedly the rumors going around is that the Colts are going to, first of all, find a trade partner for Wentz. If not, they are willing to cut him and eat around 15 million in dead cap space as well. Jake, I'll start with you first on this one. It seems a bit. Does it, it seem a bit extreme to be cutting ties with Carson Wentz after just one year? Yeah, I mean, I, I missed all this news when it came out the other day. I don't know what I was doing or what I was drinking, but I certainly missed all this news. I had no idea what happened. A lot of whiskey sours, a lot of old fashions, <laughs> some Mickey Finns to boot. Um, but no, I don't know. Yeah, it's very early. What's the plan at, at quarterback if they let him go? Are they going to trade for Aaron Rodgers or something mad like that because they have that first round pick from the Eagles? What 
what's the plan? Like, is there a good plan to replace him? Because who are you going to get instead of him? Like, he, he is a, an acceptable quarterback. Like, he, he has his good games, has his bad games, but he's got to be a lot better than whoever the number two is on the Colts, right? Hold on, Jake. They don't actually have a first-round pick. They gave that up, didn't they? Because Wentz played over 75% of the snaps this year. So oh, sorry. You're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're right. Yeah, yeah. I had it mixed up in my head. But again, that makes it even worse for them. What are, What's yeah. the plan then? Like, Because who are you going to get to replace Carson Wentz? Like, let me just have a quick Google to see who is the, the the second quarterback. Well, look, you have to put that on the coaching staff. I mean, clearly, Carson Wentz has had a bit of a wobble with those couple of seasons in Philadelphia. He's too he's too trigger happy. He's got to dial down his in his uh, clock, his play clock in his head to where he's trying to get rid of that football and make a few smarter decisions. But when you got to back yourself, it's it's not good enough that we always blame the player here. He clearly was a good enough football player. The coaches need to do a better job of getting that good player back out of him. And on the other side, if that really is what they're considering and eating that 15 million, why would any team trade for him? Just let the Colts eat it and sign him in free agency. If you believe he's a good fit and you could talk him up to your team, why would you give up anything when there's strong suggestion in the media that the team's going to be willing to cut him so badly that they'll take all that hit themselves? I mean, is it even worth trying? If you have that news story going around, what do you you offer like a sixth round pick, maybe, or you just yeah, just to ensure, down? just to ensure that you have them on your team as such. Maybe you would do that, but yeah, like they're they're back up. They only have one other quarterback, and it's Sam Ellinger. Is that a name that you recognize? Probably not. I think he's a rookie, but like he did fantastic that's... in preseason. The great yeah, like the great barometer do. of good quarterbackness. Yeah, so I just don't understand the. Keep him on the roster and give him the 50 million if you're going to be paying it anyway. You may just do that and play for a year and then find somebody in the meantime after. But they, they have, if if they're putting this out, this is, it's not getting out for no reason. So they obviously have some sort of a plan in the works to either replace him or, or roll with Sam Ellinger for next year. I don't know. You get rid of him. I think you got to fire the QB coach as well. If you, if you can't add, like, subtract $15 million. If you can't make a quarterback be worth that, then why are you coaching? If you can't, like, a top-tier quarterback that you're willing to lose $15 million on, you can't at least break even. Man, but, I don't know. Like, what? just give the ball to Jonathan Taylor. Don't let Carson Wentz yeah. throw the ball a lot and, and run out the year. I don't know. I just don't see the logic in it. Yeah. I, I think, I just think, the, all the talk, I think, all the talk that has been said over the couple of years about Wentz, I think, is just starting to come true now that mentally he's just not fit for it when it comes to big time. Um, he's never come back from that, you know, uh, injury um, in his, you know, breakout year, his only decent year that he's had. Um, although I do have a sneaking suspicion, and this is extremely early days, but with the other reports of the Green Bay Packers going all out for Aaron Rodgers to keep him, to the news that Seattle are not taking any calls on Russell Wilson. I have a weird feeling that we could see, and if Carson, this is if Carson Wentz gets caught, we could see Carson Wentz in either a Broncos jersey or a Texans jersey next year. That's not a bad option for both them teams to pick up a player like Carson Wentz, especially mm-hmm. if he can get him for peanuts. I think the Texans should stick with Mills. Yeah, and I then think get the first overall would, pick next year. <laughs> it all it all depends. Yeah, it all depends on what they do because, like, you know, I could also see a situation, but I, this is really out there that he could end up in Chicago. Um, that's only because of the connections with you know. I know it's a defensive coordinator, the old defense coordinator, Eva Flus is now there. Uh, as the head coach, that's a really far out one. But I think the Broncos had it all set that they were going to go after a Wilson or a Rogers. I don't. I, the The news at the moment now, I know it can easily change from day to day, for hour to hour. But the news at the moment is that Rogers could possibly stay in Green Bay, and the same with Wilson in Seattle. They were all set to make a big move this year. If those two guys aren't moving, they may need to settle for someone because I don't think they're going to go forward with either Bridgewater or Luck. So he, it could be Carson Wentz in Denver next year. Certainly yeah, I could see it happen. Yeah. 
Okay, let's bookmark it. Let's see what odds we can get on Paddy Power for that, actually. Let me see. I'd say you get some decent odds on that. But look, guys, I think that's a perfect uh, place to end the show. I uh, really appreciate you guys, as always, coming on and breaking down the Super Bowl and, of course, the other news coming through. Um, Fionn, I spared you the expense of having to talk about the possibility of Jimmy G heading to the Commanders. Yeah. We'll maybe talk next about week. that. We'll talk we about got a long off-season, baby. <laughs> on the, on the off-season schedule. Like to talk about. Uh, I can do an hour-long special on that. Don't worry about it. <laughs> We are the, um, we are so thankful everyone that has actually tuned into the show over this season. We will be back, of course, throughout the off season with various shows. We may change things up a little bit with some some things. We may make it a little more fun because Lord knows how slow news days can be when the off season happens. So we'll try to do some other things. In the meantime. Follow us on our social medias, Twitter at UndercenterPod, Instagram's the exact same at UndercenterPod. Subscribe to our YouTube channel and just search Podcast on YouTube. You'll find us there. Subscribe and that's where you'll get all the shows. The audio side is the exact same thing wherever you get your podcast. Just search Podcast. Subscribe. Get uh, all the shows there, past shows as well. Um, our interviews from last week as well from our Super Bowl show are all there, cut up. Um, so you can choose which interview you want to listen to. Jake and Fionn, as always, thank you very much. No bother. Thank you. Until next time, stay safe and we'll see you soon.